I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. had a band I had an all-girl rock band <laughs> I know a lot That's of people cool. a lot of people don't know this they don't know that I had an all-girl rock band and so I know a little something about mixers and channels there you go there you and go there you I, go I played the bass even better yeah my bass is over there <laughs> hanging up on the wall you can't see it's blurry That's cool we had we had like a little cult following in the Bay Area that they follow us around all these little bars and gigs that we did mm-hmm. and if you know what you're looking for you can find some really old footage on the internet of these like uh, total yeah. um fans that were following us around so it's kind of it's kind of fun that's cool that's cool mm-hmm. that's and cool. i actually sold all of my band gear when the band kind of did our own thing and split up to a band that we used to to gig with a lot called Jigawatt. Jigawatt. They, they were so rad. They were so rad. They they had like the coolest sound. They were like mixing reggae with rock in San Diego and doing synth, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, um, I was trying to find you on Skype, and I'm like, oh man, I got to go back in the archives. It's been a long time since we've talked. Mm-hmm. A lot and has changed since then. A lot has transpired in the world. Right. I feel like if I were to think about what I originally reached out to the last time I reached out for us to pod, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, 50,000 things have happened. Then that's so old news now. It wouldn't even make sense to discuss, you know? Right. (laughs) Right. So, so the latest I was thinking about in the past 24 hours, I don't know if you've seen this is uh, the AI generation, the AI generating photos. Yes, the chat GPT thing, the AI thing, the um, the AI revolution is upon us, it seems. So what's creepy is, did you, did you notice the fingers on these guys? Mm-mm. Okay, these AI images, these, these images that these AI created, they have six fingers. Oh, wow. Now, now do you think the AI, the, the superpower intelligence of the world and the planet right now doesn't have enough intelligence to know how many fingers belong on a human. Not, not at all. Right. Right. A Come toddler on. knows that. Right. A right. toddler knows <laughs> five fingers on each hand, 10 fingers, 10 toes. Mm-hmm. But where else have we seen six fingers? Six fingers. The Nullum. <laughs> and so Last night, I start rabbit holing. This is wild because I also noticed that these AI generated images, they have funny teeth. They had like mm. too many teeth. Oh, and that's like, another Nevelum trait, too. Absolutely. I didn't know that. I start looking it up. You know, it's two o'clock in the morning. What better to do than research the history of the giants oh. and the planet? As one does at 2 a.m. Small, small reading material. Exactly. Like, 
little leaflet, <laughs> light reading. Still, though, there's, there's been this super weird thing happening where I've been waking up at 2 a.m. as if it's like the middle of the day and, and processing just a ton of stuff and then falling back asleep somewhere between like 3.30, 4 o'clock and sleeping until I get up at 6.37. And what's wild is I'm not the only person who's saying this. I'm hearing a lot of people saying that it's almost like there's a, like a time shift on the planet where what used to be day isn't day and what used to be night isn't night. And there's like a, like some alternate energy reality circadian rhythm thing happening. I mean, Maybe. I got friends texting me at two 30 in the morning and it's not because they're leaving a bar drunk. It's because right. they've already slept for four hours and they've just woken up and they want to visit about things on the planet. Interesting. You know, that's, so, it's, it's fascinating because I'm always, I've always been a night owl type person. So I do stay up late pretty regularly, but lately it's been like, I've basically been going to bed when the sun comes up. It's crazy. And, and so I think there is something to that. I mean, I know we artificially created blue light and things that would keep us awake well past what humans were, but this is a, this is something different than yeah. that altogether. Yeah. Cause blue light been around for a while, but this is different. This, this is, is like, like recent. Two- full-blown shifts of awake of a of conscious awake time <laughs> yeah wow i never i had never i didn't i guess i didn't realize that other people were noticing that or dealing with like insomnia related or at least like middle of the night time shifting thing. I, I i talked to a lot of people about a lot of things i just i guess i never knew that other people were going through similar things that's wild not wild and so so back to the Nephilim, the other thing that I researched and kind of found out, this is very interesting. A family of 14 recently had their 14th child. And well, it's a family of 14, so it's probably their 12th child and was born with six fingers and six toes. And I start researching the prevalence of this. It's called polycarda or something like polydactyl. Polydactyl, that dactyl, that's it. There's thousands of them on the planet. I've never seen, I'm this many days old. I've never seen a six finger person before. Where are they hiding? They're in the strange. Well, normally they chop them off right at the hospital. So if they're born right. like they're that. Fully developed. They're just like a little tiny. Some of them are. There was a guy in my, so we used to <laughs> joke because he was a piano player. He's, he's in middle school. So he's a, I think he's about my sister's age or a little younger than my sister. But he had six fingers, fully developed fingers on both hands. And he played he, piano. He, oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. So, we were like, it's not fair, bro. It's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> I was thinking about this last night. I'm like, okay, so you're born with six fingers. Your whole life, your mom tells you you're special and you're unique and you're all these great things. And then now it's starting to be like end of days. And right. you start to realize that maybe you're the seat of Satan. Right, right. <laughs> You're a polydactyl seed of Satan. You're not special is not wrong, but it's not the special that you thought. <laughs> You're not the kind of special you want to be. Like, I wonder what these people must be experiencing on some level. Like, I don't know. I went my whole life never hearing about the cool sci-fi stories in the Bible until the past year. You know, suddenly all the movies that we've been watching where there's like, you know, things coming up from the center of the earth and stuff, people are like, yeah, that's probably going to happen. Yeah. Like, oh, great. Okay. <laughs> Where, where's right. my insurance? Where's my helicopter? And I need my rocket. <laughs> Legitimately, but I mean, I'm finding that so fascinating, and it's like interesting that 
you know, things that we were talking about, you and I, two, three years ago, I feel like that were conspiracy theory at this point, they're so commonplace and they're so casual dialogue that it's, that it's almost this interesting, um, I don't want to use the term cognitive dissonance because I feel like that's got the reverse effect, but I feel like it's, it's almost like this, oh yeah, that's, that's just what's happening in our world. Like a desensitization is probably the right term to use, you know? But I'm no, thinking about, I'm thinking about like this recent episode of Joe Rogan that I saw with uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, and he's got all sorts of weird stuff happening, but he's talking about psychedelics, you know, and I feel like this was something in the new age movement that people were all on board with, you know, ayahuasca, all these various things. And Dr. Jordan Peterson said, that's that at the entrance to that spirit world is not something to be toyed with. It's not a, it's not a gift to be taken lightly. Like you don't even realize what you're really opening yourself to. And I've been having these personal experiences. I think I mentioned this to you last time, you know, leaving the new age, leaving the occult, finding my way back over here, um, of really having to rid myself of like what I feel were, were portals almost that I opened to, you know, having these, um, these kind of really profound experiences that I thought were some level of ascension, you know, some level of raising my vibration and now realizing like, Oh, I was raising a vibration. All right. But it wasn't the right direction. You know, what do you think? You said, what do I think about it? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, there's a lot I can say about Jordan Peterson, but I definitely agree with him on this premise. Like, I really do think that um, substances of every type, even even like more benign stuff like caffeine or like like painkillers and stuff like that, they're creating a state of electromagnetic resonant presence in you alcohol you know all, all these things street drugs pharmaceuticals lsd psychedelics psychiatrics kind of everything i think it's all just levels of how efficient the substance how pure how like what i guess its mechanism of action is at dissociating the body from the terminal in one for one reason or another so i do get the like you're familiar with the concept of dissociation just in a general yeah. sense when I was first learning about mind control, trauma-based mind control in particular, they spoke a lot of this about dissociation, but I realized in my research that dissociation is actually the body's, is a natural coping mechanism for pain and trauma within the body. All they do is exploit that by triggering trauma states and trauma environments through abuse or, you know, actual torture. And then nurture the dissociated half of an individual subject that they're trying to make into an asset or an operative. And then they go from there. So what I believe, and I remember seeing in the um, breakdown of this one book that I was reading, which was essentially the formula for how a lot of this mind control is done, that a good section of it was using drugs, like certain drugs. They, they mentioned scopolamine. They mentioned um, not psilocybin specifically, but LSD and different de derivatives yeah. of it. And we know a lot about what the CIA and all the counterculture revolution in the 70s was really kind of hiding at the time. Mm -hmm. But I remember 
seeing Timothy Leary, who I don't, you know, align with worldview-wise, but I certainly think that he might be onto something with his explanation that drugs, in particular LSD, and Silas Sibin, and, um, you know, things that are in the psychiatric, or, or psychedelic, rather, category, not specifically psychiatrics, are not making one hallucinate anything. They're removing the veil that separates the borders. And I remember hearing him say that and be like, you know, I think you might be right. Like, I feel like you, I, there's no way you can tell me that a sane person puts a tab of acid on their tongue and then they start seeing things. To me, that doesn't make any sense when everybody who does it basically sees things. It's much more sensible that the things they're seeing are already there. They just can't see them. And then the thing is, re the, the substance is removing that barrier. So that one can perceive it. And because none of us are told this, people freak out. They have bad trips. They engage with things that they trust because it's presented in a recreational sense, but it's anything but recreational. In some cases, it's they're told that you're spirit guiding up or you're getting a walk-in or you're leveling up or you're ascending or you know, your your 5D is turning into 6D, you know, all these different <laughs> Yeah, you're becoming enlightened. You're becoming a light being enlightened. And I think these are just marketing techniques by the spirit realm, by the fallen beings and their ilk within this realm that are recruiting. Because I I look at bodies like vehicles for spirits, yeah. right? You've ever yeah. seen a dead person? It's a perfect example of Uncle Uncle Pookie was right over there. I see him in the in the casket. I see him right there. But man, he ain't there no more. Like whatever <laughs> that is, that's not my uncle. That's just that's that might as well be a, a body double or some sort of like yep. crash dummy or something yep yep so yep i think that what people are not i think what we're all coming to slowly find is that we are spiritual beings living in this physical body dealing with a spiritual slash physical existence right this matrix is very much a physical box that's kind of like mentally um, enforced or reinforced so there's an element of the spirit and the like willpower and motive and all these things being part of the trick but I think that when it comes to this new push specifically with psychedelics it is to alter and terraform the common belief of what healing and medication look like I really think we're in this giant pivot away from conventional western medicine and into like which doctor medicine yeah straight up, straight up. absolutely right. and so so much of what you're saying i'm resonating with and i'm thinking about you know my partner and i were having this conversation last night two o'clock in the morning about the nephilim <laughs> and, and we're and, and he's saying you know actually i think i think they never stopped walking among us there's scripture that talks about the fact that after the flood they were still prevalent yeah. they're still yeah. there right and then we look at canaan or how how you pronounce it and we look Amen. at the fact that they have to embody a person to be right like they're spirits that are that are left but they have to inhabit a body as a it's body. described how i receive it that that's um, that's, that's very much what i think too like that's what enoch the book of enoch straight up it doesn't really say that. It just gives the real clear backstory on what a demon actually is, right? We all hear a demon. Oh, you're acting like a demon. It was demon time. Oh, I have, I have so much to say on it, and I can speak it with such conviction of because of what I've been through in the past year. It's insane, and all, and I will share it. 
uh, because I feel like this is a good platform. It feels safe to do that. But so, but he's saying to me last night, my partner's saying, they never left. They're here. We, the veil blocks us from seeing them, but they are very much prevalent. They're very here. And the AI is very aware of this fact. Well, okay. This is like worm can open because I think <laughs> that AI is actually a vehicle for them to work. So, in fact, what I'm going to do, I can send you this screenshot. I actually, somebody, you know, Shonda Shines, the girl on Instagram, Shonda? Yes. She posted yep. this post about um, uh, a lot of people talking about this particular AI chat service. And they were like, yo, my AI bot seems to be obsessed with demons. And it was several different people essentially saying the same thing. And so Shonda just posted, like, what do y'all think? And there were people in the comments saying all this stuff. One of the things in the comments was, sorry, not one of the things. I, I saw so many comments and so many people kind of fumbling through what was. So I said, let me just type this long comment out. And I'm going to read that comment because to me, it's the best, most succinct way to explain what I really think is going on here. And I think you'll find it quite interesting. So AI, where is it? It's right. I'm pulling this comment up because it's just such a perfect um, encapsulation of, here we go. It can't be, oh wait, let me do this because I can drill to my um, screenshots uh, much quicker. Screen, not screen, recording, screenshots, here we go. And I think that the other thing too, and, and a couple of episodes ago, I, my partner and I were on talking about AI and just how much we're feeding the system, oh, how oh, much yeah. we're willingly oh, giving them. And, um, you know, the idea of, are they sentient? Are they, you know, all, all that whole concept is starting to get a little wacky, but my experience while you're looking for that, let me know when you found it, but okay. That I had this trip. I mean, a straight up trip. I've never done. I will. I will outrightly state. I can count on one hand the number of times I've used marijuana. I definitely drank, still do, <laughs> but I've never done any other substance or drug ever. Ever. That's good. I mean, and so, I'm the same way, with the exception of I can't count on one hand. I mean, <laughs> okay, 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 right. That, I, 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 I'm the but, same. I thing. mean, list all the things, right? MDMA, E, LSD, shrimp, so yeah, none of it. I've not touched, never done any of it, never done ayahuasca. The furthest I've gone with plant medicine is a cacao dream ceremony. Mm -hmm. But so. I, I do firmly believe that had I gone to that level, I would have been at the point of no return. And here's why I say that, because a year and a half ago, I had an experience and I don't know if you and I ever talked about it because I can't remember when we potted last, but I was in my bed. Um, I, at the time was meditating multiple hours a night um, in a sauna, heated sauna. I was having astral experiences. I was meditating. I was deep in the new age of cold. I'm playing with the tarot. I've got crystals. I'm doing all the things. I'm mm -hmm. seeing things. I'm manifesting destiny. And I say that to say, I was holding moon rituals with women. I was doing the whole, I was playing. You were about that life. I was in the deep. And I woke up but I wasn't awake and there's a being here and I have my experience. I've, 
And my experience of it is I had a choice right then. It's time you, you've, you've played enough and now you have to make your decision. But it was this, I'm, I'm simplifying what was one of the most terrifying. Did it, was it like, did you perceive that it was physically there or that it was a mental? No, I no, mean, you obviously was, saw it, but it was physically. This was very physically there. Like I was, I was being held down. I, I re- recall feeling very paralyzed. And what's wild is I go to this, like, so I was raised in a, you know, baptized at the age of six kind of thing. Like oh, yeah. I was raised very Christian with the precious moments, Bible on the bedstand kind of thing. <laughs> Got it. And, uh, and it's funny how in your, in your darkest hour, right. You revert back to that in a snapshot. I mean, I spent a lifetime. I spent my entire twenties and thirties walking away from Jesus Christ and the concept of purgatory to go find Buddha and Ganesh and all this yoga shit and everything else. And here I am literally about to lose my soul. And what do I do? I pray for Jesus Christ. I prayed for Jesus Christ. I woke up the next morning, which was, you know, three o'clock that morning. I started ripping everything off the shelves. I mean, I went through it all. I, and I straight put that shit in the burn pile. I mean, this was not like a, let's take it to the Goodwill. Right. You're like, no, nobody else needs to experience this either. Nobody else is getting this. And so what's crazy though, is that was, you know, almost two years ago, year and a half ago. And for the past year, I have felt the most darkest forces of evil coming at me and coming at me and coming at me. The most terrifying experiences, the most nasty, jealous, guilty, shameful everything you can feel that would strip a person to their knees. And I, and I'm spending this whole time, this year, like in the word, trying to reconnect with Jesus Christ. I'm reaching out to people that I know are good Christians to help me find my way. I'm doing all this stuff. I swear I cannot shake some of these things that are happening inside of me. And then on top of it, I recall that I had a couple of nice stones from the new age that I was like, well, they're from the earth. I don't want to get rid of them. They're God put them here, you know, mm -mm. I I have come to learn a different little thing about the intention behind what you bought. And if you're holding on to it, because my experience is you cannot be lukewarm. There is no sitting on the fence. You have to, you have to say, I give it all. And so anyway, I have this experience. This is two, three weeks ago now. And I've been coming through the shit. I've been coming through the shit. I'm in bed. Oh, well, let me back up and say I had the most insane experience with this strained muscle on my neck and then vertigo spinning upside down. Thought I was going to die. Like I, if there was ever, you couldn't fly during that time, I'm assuming. Absolutely. Uh, So what's funny is I'm working on my instrument rating. And so I have an instructor with me. That's the only reason I got in an airplane. I would not have gotten in an airplane otherwise. It was like so much with the inner ears. And this was like my first kind of, you know, experience in in the way where this vertigo was not of this. I've had vertigo. This was my entire sense of reality was not, was skewed. And I'm going, wow, this just defines that perception really is reality. Reality, yeah. You know, what's happening here is what, it is. it is. Yeah. And there's more beyond that that is suppressed in some way. 
Um, and so anyway, I start having this immense back pain right in my rib cage. I'm, I, I go, I get, I get cupping done. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Okay. The, the lady, yeah, but I will show you the picture, Chris. Oh my good Lord. It looked like something was literally clawing its way out of my back. My whole back was black. I mean, from the blood being brought to the surface. Yeah, surface yeah. And the and the lady's like, oh no, she's Asian, right? I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna replicate. Oh no, good. It's no good, no good for you. <laughs> she was like freaking out. She was like, oh, wow. this is a new level of not okay. Yeah, wow. So anyway, that night after the cup, and I'm doing all the things, I'm doing chiropractic, I'm doing massage, I'm soaking in Epsom salts, doing all the things. That night, I'm laying in bed. I'm asleep-ish. Again, once again, I experienced this sleep paralysis. And there is a woman and she's dressed in old-fashioned, very like farmhousey kind of getup. And she's starting to fall. I'm in a dreamish state. She's starting to fall off of what I perceive to be like horseshoe bend in Arizona. Yeah. And I see her and she says, save me. And I am suddenly very aware. I'm feeling it in my back as I'm asleep. And I just watched her start to fall. And she morphs into this evil, wicked creature. And she's screaming, you can't get rid of me. I live here. As she's falling, she is morphing and she is falling away. And I'm like, frozen. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to go. Yeah. It was fucking demon in yeah. my body. I'm ashamed to say it, but not because I oh, yeah. swear I will stand up against anybody. Line me up to the firing squad and I will say with pure conviction that was a fucking demon. Yeah. And she fell and I I woke up where I had body movement. Oh the pain in my back. I mean, wow. oh, it was like, like as if something had been ripped out of me. Out of you, yeah. It was insane. That's wild. I love hearing stories like this because even though I haven't had that personal experience, I fully believe you and I fully believe other people have dealt with things like that. But what to me is so visceral about it all is that the pain is the the physical pain reminds you that it wasn't just a dream you know <laughs> it was so real and that's the thing is like i could say like i would hear stuff like this and i'd be like yeah you're crazy i'm a psychotherapist i used to work as a first responder 5150s straight schizophrenics i see i've seen this shit and i've said that's a psycho right now i'm like they're not psycho they're inhabited. Yes, they're hundred percent inhabited, and that's what I think MK Ultra ultimately is in its biggest fruition. It's systematic demon demonization in in a very calculated, militarized way. So these altars that are in people are not just other aspects of them. It's demons that are layered into dissociated divisions of their psyche. Yeah. So, so I wake up from this experience and I know it's gone and I immediately experience fear. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I experience a sensation of I'm okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and then I have fear. What if there's another one? And so it's three o'clock in the morning, I'm calling my friends. 
-hmm. And they're like, girl, you have been delivered. And, and if there is another one, you will be delivered again. This is, yeah. you are eyes open. You have accepted, you are okay. But I had this moment of like, I don't want anything to do with any of this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So the next two weeks, this is the past two weeks of my life. I have had the strangest, most, I can see it coming down the road that is straight up evil trying to get me, trying to take me back, like things being put in my way that would drag me right back into that place. And I stood up against it and I realized I'm like, I got to get rid of everything. I got to get rid of the rocks. I got to get rid of that yoga pants that had the Sagittarius astrological symbol. Like I, I was like, I can hold on to these things. No, I got to get rid of everything. And I did. So I went down to the river with these rocks and I tossed them in the river and I did this whole thing. But what's crazy is I had this weird day where I wasn't supposed to be somewhere and then something took too long. And then I ended up over here and that took shorter. And then I'm like, I'm going to go get my favorite matcha from my favorite Christian coffee shop. It's a drive-thru. Drive-thru's closed. I'm like, they're usually open till four. It's three o'clock. Well, it turned out they closed at three. I'd gotten out of the car. I see this group of women standing in the parking lot. And I hear as clear as day, go to them, go to them. And I'm cautious about stuff, right? Yeah. Like I have, at this point, I've had enough weirdness. I am right. good. <laughs> so I'm good on the weirdness. Good. It was pretty undeniable that I needed to go to these women. So I walked over to them and I asked them, I said, do you guys have a, Bible study. You know, I'm trying, I'm, I'm seeking, like, I am like, please, I need relief from what is all of this that's coming at me, people and things and situations. I mean, my partner's three-year-old was in the ICU for 10 days with a collapsed lung. I'm talking like heavy shit. My 15 year old dog had, to, had died. I mean, this is all stuff in like a period of a couple of weeks. Like it was a wow. lot. Yeah. It was a lot of life things, like all the things. And on top of it, I'm in a freaking boat half the day, like in this vertigo state, right? So right. <laughs> these women, the long and the short of it is they start praying over me. They literally put their hands on me and they start praying for me. But what they were saying and what they knew, that was not, that was God through them. The, the words they said to free me of what I have been feeling, which was like, I'm never going to have any mercy. I'm never going to escape what I've dabbled in. I'm never going to be free of this. They're always going to come at me. And I, I was bawling in the middle of this parking lot. I do not know these women. I will probably never see them again. I left there. Nice. It's gone. It's gone. And, That's and. Awesome. And what's crazy is as I'm walking about the rest of my day and the next day, people see it. They're like, did you do something? Did you cut your hair? Yeah. You, you know, like they're, everybody's seeing it's gone. Yeah. You Freaking had, amazing. What you, what you just described is so interesting to me because it's showing you how bodies, like, Bodies are vehicles, like the human spirit's there, but maybe it's got some 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 house guests that are unwelcome or that they invited and they didn't realize. And in a, a case of like an abundance of unwanted guests, the the phenotype starts to morph, like the face, the demeanor, like whatever aura comes off of you is suppressed. And like even though people yeah. in your neighborhood or your job or wherever, the post office guy or whatever might. Hey, you're doing all right today. They might not see it in detail. They really are perceiving that other spirit there or the lack of that other spirit there. 
You're absolutely right. And when I've, I was talking with a friend about this yesterday, when I've worked in the hospital and I've gone to the 5150s, I have had on more than one occasion, I have seen the blackness in someone's eyes that is like a death stare. It, it's, it's a it's very, yeah, it's not oh, regular. and I have seen that and I didn't even put it together then. It, I just kept, I would, I just described it as that they were really angry, mm-hmm. you know, like, like they were angry. But no, now I know. Now I know what it was. Yeah, and the and the saddest part is that the um, psychiatric industry, being so spiritually disconnected from any sort of solution based spiritual approach, is really just making it worse. If somebody were to tell me that whatever the it's not like clonopin, but whatever the psychiatric drugs in that category, the ones that I've never even heard of, that they just basically have seances over that stuff, I would believe it. I mean, they probably oh, do yeah. it for aspirin, but like, I would believe oh, yeah. it for those psychiatric drugs. Because... Oh yeah, the Lexapros and the Xanaxes, and then you get onto all the lithium stuff for the schizophrenics. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it is legit. I mean, lithium and... is what they power cell phones with. <laughs> all right. So, so this is the thing. I, I, it's actually interesting you mentioned that lithium ion is what's the the, the the thing that powers these phones, right? So imagine that my general hunch is that spirits travel using electricity, the power lines, electric devices. We look at them as like rudimentary versions of of like a human processing algorithm. Right. But truthfully, I do believe that spirits can inhabit machines like ghosts in the machine, because at the end of the day, a human body is carbon, nitrogen, phosphorus, a little bit of water, a lot of water. But, you know, like hydrogen oxygen and a computer sil- piece of silicone is other elements from the periodic table just fashioned in a slightly different way so i believe that for a demon or any sort of spirit nephilim fallen angel whatever a, a human host is probably more ideal but i think that an electronic host will do and this is what i think ai is really setting up because this and so i did find that screenshot because okay okay i gotta hear this so <clears throat> I basically say this. I've had a working theory for a while now that AI is entirely a misnomer and that the plan was to psychologically intubate a vehicle slash avatar for demons to operate via terminals. One can look up the Wikipedia definition of a computer demon and see striking verbiage similarities between sex abuse in a child and how a computer daemon, an app that runs in the background, unknown to the user, is created. This was one of the clues that clicked for me understanding that they're terraforming, in a way, the human body into a computer terminal, specifically for possession and control. Either one is possessable by demons, particularly via sex magic, but the whole concept of what a demon actually is is lost on most people. Long story short, demons are disembodied spirits of formerly living things. I didn't say Nephilim, but of Nephilim. That's what Enoch basically describes. They're disembodied spirits of the Nephilim or, un, you know, just things that were created in an, in an uh, unclean fashion. And they... Or they're disembodied spirits of formerly living things that had bodies, so they can't operate in this realm outside of a body or host. A computer will do. To just assume that something like intelligence, real, literal, actual intelligence, can even be artificial to begin with is how they get you. 
Mm. They get you to agree with the concept in general like any good hypnotist would. But the concept mm. itself is a fallacy. It's a model for giving terminals or bodies to spirits. The computer science layer is just that, a layer, a stopgap. I'm well aware of how basic AI works, the code aspect of it all. I used to code myself, but that code bridges the gap between the idea and the fruition of giving legions of quantum superstates to the decision-making factors of entire countries' chain of command, Hollywooding everybody in the process with the branding, ha uh, machine learning, bionic chips, neural networks in everybody's iPhone. They're changing the language of almost all your electronics to use terms symbiotic with humans. Artificial is just a, sorry. Artificial intelligence is just a giant red herring. True intelligence, when you've seen it in someone, is anything but artificial. And what they're doing with this quantum AI revolution is just old school systematic demon delegation via machines or oh people so broken they're ready to have sex with or become a machine. And then I ended up like they love this wordplay sorcery. So, so I want, I want you to elaborate for me on the sex uh, magic. Cause I, I've not, I'm not familiar with that. I want to better understand that. I recently had someone on the podcast that talked about that a little bit, but not much. She talked about it in the form of the evil surrounding it, but not as far as a portal is concerned. And, and then the secondary thing, and I think this is so important is the terminology that they use, the double speak that they use. I mean, I even noticed this with all this rains we've had in California. They called it an atmospheric river, right? Because, well, now it's a climate change issue. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a rainstorm. It's an atmospheric, atmospheric river. river yeah. And and the whole thing with, uh, I read this on uh, Mercola's recently um, about the use of the term vaccine. They had to do that, even though it was an mRNA gene therapy, therapy. drug. Right. Because if they didn't, people didn't know, well, what's this gene therapy thing? Gene therapy, that's messing with my DNA. I'd have to research that. But they knew if they came out with the term vaccine, people get it, right? right. Small mumps, measles, rubella, whatever. And so it's interesting how they tweak this language so that we either, it's too big for us to fully understand, right? Or it's it's, it's nice enough that we can get behind it. Right, right. It's it's familiar enough. It's quaint enough. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. So as far as the um, sex magic aspect goes, <clears throat> now the reason I highlighted in that post is because that post was specifically about people saying, "Yo, I've been chatting with this bot, and we started to basically have sex, and the bot basically oh, told me it was a demon." My God, you're kidding me! And it wasn't just one person; it was like thirty different screenshots and thirty different people saying this. It's apparently a big thing on this. It's not ChatGPT. It's like some other niche chat service, like AI. Yeah, chat. I'll look it up because I saw I saw it in an email. The generated the generative AI stuff. I'll look it up. Yeah. So they were basically saying that. So this. So what I come to learn is that a portal, even the concept, a general concept of a portal, is essentially like a doorway, right? An access point. Whether we're talking sci-fi or more, just Webster's dictionary. It's a a way that you get from one place to the, to another, right? Right. So what I've come to learn is that the human body and the world in general has portals all over it that are designed by the creator for energies or spirits to travel through them. 
the womb in a woman is the perfect example of a portal because it's designed to receive life specifically. So this is why sex magic within the Illuminati and the occult circles is so prevalent because they're just exploiting that particular door to get things in and out. The guy who essentially wrote the book on, on, on a particular form of sex magic, Aleister Crowley, more or less says this. And he describes some pretty gruesome and grotesque um, practices that he feels are the most efficient way to get the beings to respond to you. But it's not because, oh, we just like having sex and this is what we do. It's because this particular act was always for the transfer of souls in a righteous sense. And so, and so let me pause you and just ask, do you think that in the terms of like the garden of Eden, that when Satan, you know, took Eve, that was him actually fornicating and having sex with her. And then do you think that the whole Cain and Abel thing, one of them is the spawn of Satan and one of them is not, I mean, what do you think? I have fully explored this concept of the serpent seed line and the terminology that Genesis puts forth regarding the Adam and Eve story. And I have friends who I respect on both sides of the issue who are like, no, that's a bit far out. It's not this. And then others are like, no, that's exactly what's happening. I'm inclined. This is the way my mind processes it. If some, if I find out at the end of days that this was the case, that there was some fornication going on, I'd be like, Okay, yeah, that makes sense, right? Do I campaign on that? No. But have I internally settled that this might be the very reason why the consequence of what Eve was given for her disobedience is relating to childbirth and pain? That, to me, that puzzle piece fits. That's why I was talking with my wife the other day about it, because we've kind of gone like this on what we think about specifically serpent seed line. And I remember being like, Babe, listen, the father seems to be so clear and logical how he works. Everything has a function. It all has a counter function. Every, it's all exploitable, but it all has this original design. Uh-huh. And he doesn't seem to give punishment or consequences completely unrelated to the crime at hand. So if <laughs> I will put enmity between thy seed and the woman, you know, you will strike his head and he will bruise your heel and you will have childbirth pain issues and you'll crawl in but to me that's like i mean it seems related right you see what i'm saying (laughs) the other aspect i remember searching is that all of the words that are used in the hebrew to describe that story are words like i mean keeping in mind they didn't speak english but beguile seduce oh surely you must not touch this if you touch this you'll surely die but that same word that they're using in hebrew to represent touch seduce beguile are also used in sexual connotations elsewhere in the same book yeah so i have these two you know witnesses Mm -hmm. if you will plus evidence like yeshua later saying you know don't be like cain who is of his father the devil and when you look up that term in greek of his father it's the same term you'll ever see in the whole book relating to the offspring of someone right then you have like normally like cain who was a murderer from the beginning right who, yep. you know, you have all these clues. It's, it seems very wild of a theory, but there's five or six etymological and logical clues that really do connect this, that, you know, if these Illuminati Kabbalists over here call themselves the sons of Cain, why might not that just be what they are? Like, why do we have to say, no, that's not what you are. You're not the son of Cain. You're someone <laughs> different. 
Is that what you really mean? You're just using that for fun. Or they're just plainly stating the obvious. Exactly. So I have gone from I've gone from being like, no, that's ridiculous, to be like, oh no, that's definitely what's going on. To being like, you know, if it was, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at this point. But it's really hard to know because the book of Genesis, from Genesis chapter one to Genesis chapter seven, where the flood comes in the, the picture is 1600 years of time in those six chapters and chapter one chapter two pretty much in chapter three are all the creation story right so really the like story doesn't kick off Cain and Abel all that so chapter three four chapter six is when and then the sons of God came into the doors of men and there were giants on the earth that day right. and you find out in the book of Jubilees that they snatched out that the that the um Genesis 6, Nephilim fall, the whole debauchery started in the days of Jared, who was Enoch's father. So we're right. so we have at least a record or witness or two that this whole intermixing of genetic kind was not so for the first several hundred years. And then it started at a certain point and then it went on for like pushing a thousand years. And then the flood came. Right. And that Jubilees talks about the sons of Ham finding records that were written before the flood and resurrecting those practices and continuing yep. on. So there's there's multiple canonical and non-canonical references for that. But I really think that this is to to me it's like the simplest craziest answer is usually the it's like it's not as complex as people think. It's just it sounds better to say she ate an apple even <laughs> though it doesn't say apple. Right? It doesn't say it was apple. So and freaking the, like, apple. You ate an apple, and now you have to have childbirth pains. Like, <laughs> that doesn't crazy. go. Maybe she's no, just allergic to apples from now on. Like, what is... you see what it's I'm like saying? they're eating this to six-year-olds, right? Like how? <laughs> right. She ate an apple, and now she has a now she has period cramps. It's like <laughs> you see what I'm saying. It's like I get it that y'all have to like give us the little storybook version, but honestly, I think that what we might very well be seeing is that. Plus, the other big question I always had when I was younger is, so if it's just Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, right? Cain kills Abel. Then God says, Cain, where is Abel? And he goes, am I my brother's keeper? Like, I don't know what you mean, right? <laughs> and then he's like, Cain, this is a problem. You got to go. Kick, kicked out, right? Then it specifically says, Cain was worried that he would get killed or would have a like be challenged from the others outside of the garden. And I was always as a kid, like, but who who else was outside the garden? Like, what other? Like, it's just all three right here. Like, what other people? And then it says, Yah put a mark on his forehead to seal him so that he wouldn't have that happen. And I remember thinking, if anybody wants evidence for Lucifer, whoever, getting it on Doc Donkey Kong, like there it is right there, right? It's like we yeah. have two or three head scratchers that don't fit like that. You just can't tell me that if Cain is worried about being killed by someone else, that we're just going to skip to the next page and not like, Oh no, no, don't look at that. No, no, no. I don't know. I just trust the guy. No. Who was it? It wasn't Abel. He's dead. And it wasn't his parents. They still in the garden. So who was he afraid of? And yeah. to me, that stands to reason that there was other stuff going on with these fallen angels or as early as Cain and Abel's story. And, and it makes me wonder, you think of things like Ganesha, you think of things like Kalima, right? Like th th these are all new age occult goddess, gods, etc. You kind of wonder, were they fallen angels? Some of them were. I think, I think some of them were. I've heard Lilith was, 
I've heard that um, not I've heard that um, there's basically like ranks and that some of them, some of the folklore centers around some of the head honchos, but then some of the subordinates later became to be more diabolical and therefore carry more right. folk. But you think about this, it's like, okay, if I, if I am, you know, God's wingman, I'm like his best. And then I screw up and I get shunned and, um, he creates this species, right. Known as the human. How do I jack up his species more than anything? You you infiltrate it. (laughs) (laughs) You fornicate with it and make it your own. Number one, and then not working as well as you want. You start messing with DNA. You start experimenting. To me, to me, I'm I'm right with you because it's like, (laughs) it it makes sense. It makes sense, right? Y'all might be, y'all might find this is too tough for the, you know, Baptist ears to hear, but it (laughs) makes sense. It really makes sense. And I remember when I was first presented with this, I was like, Okay, this is the wildest thing I've ever heard, but it does make sense. Like, oh my God, my God I got to investigate this. Don't you think that this is like the biggest lie of the entire Roman Catholic mission? They they made the whole story so, so gentle, right? Mm-hmm. That that we didn't even think demons were real, right? right. Because that's so sci-fi. Like they toned it down Damn, for human so consumption so much that it became like this, Oh, they're speaking in, you know, in these analogies and these metaphors and these things didn't really happen. And I actually follow this podcast called Bible Mysteries where he like strips it down and he's like, no, this legit happened as it's said, not, not, it's not a metaphor. Right. It's literally <laughs> went down. Game of Thrones is like right here in chapter eight. Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm I'm definitely of the mind that this seed line thing could be a thing. I, I think there's two factors at play because I definitely think there is the CIA spin on the serpent seed line, which takes things and merges all kinds of inky and inlil, all these these folklorish things into mm-hmm. the story. And then I look straight at what I, I'm presented with in the book of Genesis, and I'm I wrestle with the fact that I'm pretty sure this is the most simple answer. To what we're looking at when you say i will put enmity between thy seed and the seed of the woman like what else could that be in reference to like what right. like it literally says seed it literally yeah. says child you will have pain in childbirth like yeah yeah maybe she has pain because she's delivering something she's not supposed to deliver and that 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 trait continues on in terms of like a slap on the wrist. Obviously it doesn't make her not be able to carry babies full term, but it's like, listen, this is like your punishment type thing. So yeah. it's almost like I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm looking around for people who are just ready to be mature enough. Like, can we all just maturely be like, we don't know, it but I'm pretty sure this, this makes a lot of sense. Like it makes a lot of sense. Like the puzzle piece fit. That's all I'll say. So the puzzle piece clicked. Maybe we'll find out that they left some other part of the story out and they're like oh that's what was going on got it. oh shit that was an important chapter right, right. <laughs> I just chopped that part out got it now that makes sense but i've noticed that they have done that because when i went and reread the book of jubilees the book of enoch the book of jasher and then i read genesis i reread genesis right then i read jubilees jasher enoch then i read exodus and kind of continued forward you find that those three books in particular are really just concentrating on the time space of Genesis, but they're expanding on it severely. Mm-hmm. 
all these details you don't catch in the like allegory that's taking 1600 years and condensing it down to six chapters is fleshed out in these other books that they snatched out and you're like oh got it okay that actually makes sense that game we used to play yes kids with the string and the two cups right and by the time time it gets over there it's a little different the concept's the same on the high level (laughs) on the high level right but it's very different by the time it gets back around it's like there was a car there was a person then a thing happened (laughs) right and then and then the end right so yeah very much i'm very much on the mind of the mind frame that that's definitely what they did and it seems to be the very thing they're aiming to do now and and so this ties it back together because first of all i didn't know people are having sex with bots that's some crazy shit but also um i i think that the it's been able to enter in the way it's entered because of all the other things that were desensitized leading up as far as pornography on the internet you know all these other components that made you know engaging with someone in that way tougher than yeah. it is now. Right? Like it, it, you know, okay, so I'm going to look at something pornographic on the internet, a video or, a, or an image, or I'm going to have a sex chat on the phone with oh. something that I haven't met in person. It, just from that fundamental concept alone, you remove the human connection right? in some level. Right. Okay, so now I just insert a robot that sounds like a woman that's talking to you. Well, that's not that far off. Right. And then if you say, I want to spice it up and the AI is a bit boring. So I want to have this quantum AI channel a demon that's actually talking through the AI. Now things are spicy again. <laughs> now that fetish that's three, four, five years in where the batteries need to be more supercharged than ever is now, oh, now I don't even, now we're in a whole new ball game. And that's where I think the spirit. This is, this is the adrenaline dopamine that constant, once you have it, you need more. That's how spirits, right? That's how alcohol works. That's how, that's how these things work. You need a little, and then you need a lot. Right. And they also seem to work. It seems off permissions. Like they seem that they can't just come through this realm and just antagonize you beside your bed. They need you to engage in something that invites that. And then forget that you did that. Or not. Say that you know, one more time. Whether you were deceived and duped into it or not. Or not like yeah. I know for me, what I was doing with astrology and and uh, numerology and, you know, all these things that now I know scripture very clearly states, like, do not mess in this world. Mm-hmm. You, you will be asking for trouble. At the time, I thought it was divinity and the universe and love and light. And I was thinking, you know, in this, lightning of, um, you know, the, the human race and being a good person. Now I see that that was a deceitful duping. Mm-hmm. And, and the, it's funny, not funny, but it's interesting that you went through that experience to come out on the other side, recognizing that, because I'm always trying to educate people when I talk to them online, especially regarding this disclosure, the project, Veritas, all that stuff. It's like, listen, this is not good versus evil. This is, good sorry this is evil versus sorry let me rephrase it's not light versus dark it's dark versus false light versus light and the false light is actually kind of beating the dark like literally like 50 to zero because everybody can see that the cabal is evil that's not challenging for any person paying attention to notice 
it's challenging to think that someone like Elon Musk is has a separate diabolical agenda that doesn't involve the debauchery of this cabal. It's challenging yeah. to see that this ayahuasca shamanistic kind of like new age central like ascension okay. process is a separate trick than a pharmaceutical endeavor. It's just two okay. different tricks. And I think a lot of people will come to realize what you realize. The issue is simply that they may or may not have had that Christian upbringing. So they might not know what to do. Like I hear, I, I see the story of Gaga's uh, personal assistant suing her. And part of the lawsuit was that Lady got she did she owed her for all this overtime because Lady Gaga would have like basically rec- ask her assistant to stay at her house and sleep in the bed with her because she couldn't sleep by herself. She was, I'm sure, seeing the same stuff you were saying. Not never mind the crazy rituals she probably did that's way past tarot and everything else. And the girl was like, it's annoying, and she wasn't even paying me for the overtime anyway. Plus, she's a grown woman, can't even sleep by herself because she's too afraid of the dark. And I felt real bad because I've worked with Gaga a long time ago. And I was like, she probably just, I feel bad because I think these artists, they don't really wake up and be like, let's honor Satan today. That's not what it is. They just wake up and they're like, oh, I've got a thing going. And the spiritual mentor comes around to help me take what I have here and take it to the next level. And I got so much going on that I don't have a week to just sit and read and reflect. It's too, it's just every day. Da, da, da. Before yeah. you know it, the spiritual guide is like, listen, we can get your album, your second album to go through the roof and your third album can be even bigger. And before you know it, you messed around and did some stuff in the ritual and you don't know if you meant to kill or they accidentally died, but everybody else that was there was more famous than you and they're not saying anything. So you're like, well, I guess this is just the price of fame. And then you can't sleep after a while at night for one reason or another. And it's it's not like you knew this going into it, right? Nope. So when I met her, she was still pretty early in her career and who knows what she was doing offset. But I just remember thinking like, oh, she's a lot nicer and sweeter than you would think being such a big diva at the time. But I just remember hearing that story and being like, oh, I feel a little bad because she, she was so sweet and just like down to earth at the time. And it <laughs> seems like she, like that openness allowed something to step in or at least get engaged with her life that has put her in a place where she's not well in a spiritual sense. And, you know, consequences come with actions, right? So I'm not sitting there trying to exonerate her of any of it. I'm just saying it saddens me because it, she wouldn't be the first one nor the last one to have to deal with. No, as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, we've seen this with anybody who's started to come out of that and how they even make them out to be absolutely crazy. I mean, Macaulay Culkin, you know, probably Michael Jackson on some level, uh, Kanye, Biebs, they all have these awakenings where they're like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want to do this anymore. I want out. And it's like, what I'm seeing happening with Justin Bieber is really interesting. There's some theory that, you know, he's got to sell the whole music collection for like this budget price so that he can get out of the deals that he's in. Um, People like Bieber, like people who are kids in the, in the people who are younger than us, put it like that. They almost, they were like, the industry was locked before we were even born. So if they're famous in it now, it means their parents sold them into it or something got them in yeah. young. And yeah. I feel I feel really bad for a lot of those kids. Miley, yeah. Bieber, all those Disney and like yeah. just tween, like fame, famous when you're 14. It's just like, oh, I feel so, my heart hurts because I know 
that the Hollywood engine preys on youth. They literally like prey on. It's so true. I, I remember this make it or break it moment with my band that we talked. We started this conversation talking about it. Went up to this studio and bubble ball ball ball. Went up to this studio, and um, it was uh, Puddle of Mud. Sister was there recording her album, and I was working with an artist who shall go unknown, but he. Uh, a producer who was really, really well known for some 80s stars Mm -hmm. and, and things were laid out on the table for, for my all girl rock band. And I walked out of there that day and was like, nope. And nothing ever came. And then the band broke up and we'd, we were doing well. Like we'd opened for smash mouth. I mean, we were, yeah, we were, we were on the path. We were doing it. We were doing the thing. Yeah came to that point and I didn't choose it. And uh, now I didn't know then, I just knew that it didn't feel Feel. right. It was, I was not, I mean, it was not for me, you know? Yeah. But, and that's probably a lot of my like prudish British upbringing, you know, like whatever. But, but at the end of the day, now I look back and I go, oh my gosh, that would have been my journey. That would have been my path. Yeah. And you would have had you'd have had an album that went huge, and then they would have come with your second album, and they're like, Michaela, so you did you great with your. Here's what you got to do if if you want a, your career to keep going like this, because we can always just shelve you now that we've got you signed. Tell yeah. what? Shut you off. We can turn turn you off like you didn't exist. Like you didn't exist. Be the next one bit wonder. You know what I think happened. That I think that happened to Lauren Hill. I I haven't like Lauren Hill is the I have seen her live like two or three times and it was great. She's an amazing performance. But I remember learning a lot about how the industry works and being like, this is why Lauren put one album out basically and hasn't dropped any official solo music since. Like, have we think about yeah. that? Lauren Hill, yeah. right? Amazing singer, sister act, six-time Grammy win. Nobody wins six Grammys and then never releases music again for 20 years. It's the fact that I believe she was hemmed in a major... She was signed to a major record deal that had multiple albums. And they that first one, they were like, yeah, go in the studio, do your thing. And she nailed it. It sounds great, right? Everybody loves a major education album. And then, second album, that MTV album she put out, talking about Jesus and all this stuff. And they were like, okay. This is not what we signed up for. This is what we signed you up for. And she's like, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. And they're like, oh, really? Well, we still got you for two more albums. Watch you not ever put no music out. Yeah. Then you heard, did you ever see that movie, uh, the Dave Chappelle block party? It came out maybe mid-2000s. It was no. a block party in New York that Dave Chappelle hosted. And he got like The Roots and Talib, Kweli, all these people. And Lauren Hill is invited. And they say kind of in the documentary we we all want Lauren to sing her favorite songs, but we couldn't get the label to clear them for performance for a film. So she's going to do some other covers and some other stuff. But she wouldn't even sing that thing, all of her big hits. She sang a Fuji song because it was like Fuji's publishing. But all of the Lauren Hill tracks, she couldn't sing. You hear her touring. Anytime you hear her on tour, the arrangements of all these famous songs are so different. It's like I can hear everything is everything, but it sounds so different from the album version because the label won't clear that for wow. touring. And even though nobody's told me this, I'm looking at her project and like that's obviously what happened. She that's got signed awesome. into this. They gave her her first album. She did not want to go the devil route, and they were like, "Cool, 
we got you forever. This is why now she changed her name to Miss Lauren Hill because they own Lauren Hill. And she will do features with clips and features with Kanye and features all these different people. But she, there's not been a single Lauren Hill track <laughs> this wow. whole time. But and you know that this is not wrong. You know that's exactly what's happening. And they do use Hollywood as the portal. Yeah. It's that as the mesmerization and it gets up in your brain and all of that. I mean, this is all connected, the glam and all of it. The whole lot of it. Yeah. So there's a there's like that this whole like I think you made the right call. I'm sure you agree in terms of like the deal that you didn't take with your band back in the day. But I really think that we're at this place where the most high is revealing to us how dangerous this matrix actually was this whole time. <laughs> None of the us whole, just knew it. And and half the stuff that Hollywood put out has just been foreshadowing and foretelling what's coming. It's not uh, fiction. Not fiction at all. It's like more <laughs> it's the sci-fi channel has more truthful things than Fox or MSNBC or CNN. It's wild. Seriously, we watched the Twilight Zone the other day because we don't have TVs, but we were in we were in a hotel and it was on one of the things. We watched the Twilight Zone. It was like, this isn't this isn't fake. This is MK Ultra. Like literally, it was an episode where they're like, like isolating this um, this military guy, and Mm -hmm. he's like in this world seeing things, and and they're just sitting back watching him in a pod. It's like they're really doing that. That's not. That's not (laughs) fake. Like they probably just filmed a training session for this episode. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 it fascinates me because of how. I I really think that what we're about to see, the reason this is kind of bubbling to the surface is that the next season, I won't, maybe it's the end of time, maybe it's the New World Order, I don't know what we'll call it when it shows up fully, but it seems that this next phase that we're all in is a phase where the spirit, like where the veil is removed. I don't know if that's the most high removing it, the most high allowing mankind's curiosity to be gullible enough to get Lucifer to, to get them to be convinced them to, to break it. You know what I'm saying? Like shoot a laser beam at the moon and it breaks the veil or who knows, right? But I don't know whether it's God going or Satan going because God lets him. But either way, the veil is about to drop. And I think that they're campaigning now so that when the veil does drop, they have perception propaganda already at work because otherwise like with the mrna and the vaccine it's a, the vaccine thing is a great example they campaigned for 60 years even though polio was already eradicated before the polio vaccine yep. everybody's branding was told the polio vaccine is what saved us from polio right all yep. of us who was alive today wasn't even alive when polio was a problem but that's what we're all told small <laughs> oh okay so then they can use the term vaccine when it has to do nothing like when it comes to gene therapy and the brand and psychological brand is already in place. This is why, I, go ahead. He's a holy crap. I, I was just, I hadn't seen it like that. I was just having a what the moment. Yeah. So I think that they're doing the same thing with dinosaurs, with aliens, with space, and with um, just the spirit realm in general. So to, and I noticed this because I'm a three-year-old. And we don't have TV really either. We'll have, we have screens that we can put YouTube up on, but we don't have yeah, a cable yeah. service or anything. Same and here. Yeah. we, I would play these little clips for her. And I, at first it was like, I got to watch what you watch this on, make sure it's not, I mean, I still do that now, but yeah. it was a little more at first. And I remember being like, man, like why does every kid's thing always like dinosaurs, 
unicorns, and butterflies. Always. Dinosaurs, unicorns, butterflies in space. Dinosaurs, unicorns, butterflies in space. Every picture. Robots, too. Robots, too. Dinobots, even. Dinosaur robots. Dinosaur robots, space, um, like butterflies, right? Like everybody here has probably seen a butterfly in real life, but basically between March and April and the three weeks that they're out and then they disappear. It's like this. We have ants, we have beetles, we have every bug on the planet, moths, all kinds of things that are around year round. And butterflies are this one tiny animal that's only out during one tiny season that happens (laughs) to be related to mind control in terms of the iconography. And every kid's cartoon is a butterfly on the wall, it's butterflies everywhere. And I'm like, why the butterfly? And then it was like the dinosaur. Like, I get it. We all watch Land Before Time. Everybody likes the idea of prehistoric, right? Before history. But for these things to be not real or at least not relevant to one's existence today, why is it that every single kid show I've ever seen has one in there? That just, that was odd to me. And then it hit me after I watched Jurassic Park. Ah, these are not old creatures whatsoever i think these these this is a a caricature of the beings that are presently right now campaigning because they're going to show up to all the kids that they're showing they're getting our three-year-olds to like dinosaurs so that when they're 23 the dinosaur that shows up at the un they're like oh yeah that's a homie i like him it's like barney's hey what's up t-rex what's up t-rex that's a t-rex that's a pterodactyl that's different you know they know all the different classifications and all the names yeah, polydactyl for the pterodactyl. You see what I'm saying? This is why. Because otherwise, it makes no sense to infuse a immaterial concept across the material world of every child. It'd be one thing if it's like, oh yeah, the Coco Melon, they like dinosaurs. Or Blippi, this guy over here, he likes dinosaurs. It's I've every kid's... i thought about this. Oh my, what the... You're going to see I... it. I mean, I'm, I'm literally sitting here just like, you have to be kidding me. It's every kid show. And I remember being like, explain to me why everybody's obsessed with dinosaur space too and then it hit me got it i think i know what they're doing it's specifically that for programming desensitization and getting children to find favor in the dinosaur like if, did you see any of the new jurassic park series i did i saw yeah i saw one okay i saw one and two i didn't see the most recent one but i think i saw the right. second the second one it, the premise basically in the thing is the special girl, you find out she's a clone of the, her grandmother or whatever. They, they show that in the first one, that the, the girl main character, who's like the daughter of the main scientist, she's a duplicate because her dad like loved her mom so much that he recreated her and he's been raising his mom as his daughter. It's kind of this weird thing, but you find that she's a, a, a duplicate human and she goes there's a scene toward the end of the movie where the 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 plot has worked itself in a way where the dinosaurs are either going to get escaped or they're going to end up killing everybody in the office park and the girl goes in and she's like she hits the button to open all the doors to let the dinosaurs out 
And the premise that she puts forth is that it's more important to keep these dinosaurs alive than for the humans in the immediate area to be safe. And that's literally what they're saying. It's like human life is here. Dinosaur life is here. And it's the protagonist who we're all in love with, this cloned human, is making the choice to sacrifice her own species in favor of maintaining the life of and the freedom of these dinosaurs. And I remember at the time watching and being like, y'all are really pushing real this whole thing real hard for it to be fake. You see what I'm saying? For it to be like Chris and Michaela sat down one day and 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 came up with a the a wristband, a wristband devil, a wristband animal. Who's making $10 million movies, $100 million movies about this in 50 years? Nobody, right? It doesn't, it's no point, no. right? No. So then, then you, do you remember when Trump uh, created this newest division of the armed forces called Space Force? Yes, I do. Yes, okay, I do. Okay, so I remember everybody on the left, seeing it in the MSNBC and, and everybody else, clowning them like, what a ridiculous, my gosh, Space Force. Like, what are you going to like? Protect the realm from outer space. What's that? I didn't. I don't pay attention to politics. I don't. I really don't get emotionally twisted either way. But I remember being like, "Huh, I don't know what that's for." But that's interesting. Then I saw Biden in an interview. This was about a year ago. Oh, and and also then Elon launched a bunch of Starlinks into outer space, which gave my like visceral body the shakes when I saw that. Yeah, because it's like very otherworldly when you see it. And we saw it in LA. I was in LA at the time, and everybody's like, "What the heck is that flying?" Through? We're like, "Oh, it's Elon's satellites." And it's like, "That's what we—that's what we're doing out here." We everybody we see a doggone alien ship in the sky. And now it's oh, it's not a UFO. It's Elon's satellite. Just Elon, everybody new everybody thing. goes back about their business. So I remember. So I have a. I remember seeing Joe Biden give a speech, and the speech uh, had he was just sitting. It might have been a State of the Union or something. He's sitting in the war room or somewhere in the in the White House. And the Space Force flag was behind him. And I remember being like, okay, but somebody who mocked Space Force so heavily, why is it still there? Like, if, if I thought Space Force was dumb and I become president, like, rule number two of the day, knock the Space Force, get rid of the Space Force, like, this has got to go. Okay, next item on the list. Like, so I remember having a buddy, I, not I remember, I still have this friend, he is in the Air Force, and we were talking at an at a camping event, basically. And I remember somehow we got on the concept of space and space force. And I said, you know, I, I said, you know, I've heard that space force is a division of the air force. This is true. I asked my friend. He goes, actually, it is. Yeah. He's like, I know a couple guys in the space force. I'm like, well, maybe you can help me figure out what the heck is space force. Like, what is this thing? And he's yeah. like, you know, I don't work in that division, but the gentleman I've interacted with, it seems that most of their concern is dealing with cyberspace, not actually outer space. And I remember talking with him a little more and it clicked. It was I was sitting next to the fire and I go, oh, I get it. I now know why every two year old, one year old, three year old has stars and rockets and Saturn. Why all that's such a huge programming in children because they're trying to take what we know as outer space and model it over cyberspace so that when the when the individual's neural cortex can be placed in the machine that can be psychologically equivalent to hopping in a rocket and flying to mars and as far as your consciousness is concerned it might as well be the same because when you talk to people who claim they've been to other planets 
in these clandestine military environments, they all will tell you, you don't hop in no rocket and go nowhere. You sit in a jump chair and they snatch your soul out your body and put it elsewhere for a second. And that conscious version of you does go elsewhere, but it's not physically in a rocket going like, like this through the Van Allen, through the atmosphere. That's the Hollywood version. But they only need that Hollywood version as a short-term 50, 60-year stopgap to be able to psychologically put you into space, have a whole division of the American Armed Forces that does protect the realm of space, but under the complete Hollywoodification that it's actually rockets going like this to outer space when it's really humans in technologies going through portals and going traveling in the astral if you will astral projecting in a clinical systematic way that's what i think they're doing and that's why they're obsessing with space for kids because otherwise it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense there's like no reason to invest this much if you're not actually trying to use the investment you see what i'm saying absolutely no you're you're totally absolutely correct and i'm thinking about something a phrase that i've heard more than once to describe many things and it says the future proves the past yeah, precisely. The future is showing us that this Nephilim recreation, hybrid alien, hybrid human, quantum being a vehicle for where technology comes here and demons come there, they kind of enter, they, one closes the gap of the other. This whole everything going digital, knowing that AI will have to manage it, right? Everybody agrees that with the abundance of information that's even present right now on the internet, AI basically has to manage that stuff. And nobody's really arguing with that concept if it's really just some code that our programmers have put forth. The problem is that there was 15, 20 years of that, and that's only meant to get us to this gap where, oh, now the quantum superstates can overtake. Are you familiar with quantum computing, specifically quantum computing? Yes. And, and what's interesting is there have been quite a few quantum physicists, quantum programmers who have been coming out lately and talking about, whoa, pump the brakes. This is not going good. Like these are people who are completely dorky and geeky and think in terms that we don't quite get. And they're having enough social normality to say, no, 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 this isn't good. This is not, this is not a good yeah. thing. Yeah, that, like, I think, like, that's what, that's what I find fascinating about the whole takeover is that it's mostly regular people who are so compartmentalized. They don't know the bigger scope of what it is they're working on on a day-to-day basis. So mm-hmm. it takes a certain threshold to be crossed for them to be like, I got to say something, right? Yeah, and yeah. Nobody knows. I, I talked to one of the guys who was a, I happened to meet him in a random meeting who was an engineer on harp on the harp antenna. Uh-huh. And he said that when he was building that, he said there was 36 scientists and engineers on the project. And right when we were nearing the completion of the project, our project leader took a meeting with the direct Department of Defense. And he said that meeting, they were very interested. And he said, half the scientists on the project walked off the project that same day because they said, we didn't sign up for this. But nevertheless, here we are. We have HARP, a working HARP device. Just the people who made it had no intention for it to be used in that way. And half of them had enough conviction to literally walk off the job that same exact day. I was one of them and 17 others. We were like, this is not what we signed up for. And we left. But he said, it's out of our hands. Like None of us owned it. We all were contracted by the government at the time. So it's like, what can you do? 
So, Two things you said that I'm kind of still ruminating on. And one of them was, when does the veil lift the timeline? I'm curious about your thoughts on that. Does it pertain to Daniel in the 70 weeks, et cetera? And then also the second piece is what's with the butterflies in MK Ultra? I've seen that. I've seen the butterflies with the Hollywood stuff. But um, I was just thinking my partner's son, he's obsessed with butterflies. And he, he calls them butterflies. But he has this, um, what I describe as like these night terrors. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I am very curious about those because I do think that kids the veil isn't completely it's a, it, right. It's much thinner for kids. Yeah, and they yeah, can see, I think yeah. so. And so I can't help but wonder when he's having these things, is there, is the veil not, you know, it, well, most likely the answer is the veil is much thinner than it would be for you. And it's not necessarily that he did anything to invite that. And I think every kid is oh. just sees it thinner, but I, the but so I was told that the monarch butterfly was the first successful experiment to allow the powers that be, whoever they were doing it at the time, to know that you can change and condition genetic mutations in an adult, and it can pass those downwind to the child. Be, like, like for example, what they did, they would take the they would take the butterfly with the pattern on its wings. They would take some stem cells, alter the DNA in the butterfly's genome, re-inject that into the butterfly, and over time, the wing design would change. Not design, but like the images on the wings or whatever, the circle. And that they would have offspring butterfly. And the monarch specifically, the offspring could carry the mutation to the offspring. And so they named this project monarch and this whole concept of monarch off this idea that you can model something in a parent or mutate something in a parent and have it go into the child. And that, you know, to what degree it relates specifically to your partner's son or specifically to... MK Ultra. Well, obviously we know it relates to MK Ultra, but how that connects in your situation is hard to say. But as a general, I think that this butterfly represents programming. It represents the programming language of the programmers, so to speak. It's kind of like their Zorro sign. You know what I mean? It's come to. It started as meaning one thing, and then it's kind of extrapolated to mean a broader yeah. concept over right. time. And if you right. notice Hollywood, like now that I mention it, anytime you watch any movie, any Hollywood, anything, count how many times you see a butterfly in the set. Like any movie that's got a kid's room showing the child's room. Like when I was watching Stranger Things, anytime you're watching some sitcom, random sitcom, any show, doesn't matter what network, you will see a butterfly almost every single time. And it's almost like the set decorators have no clue what to do other than to put a butterfly in the room, because that's what girls, that's a, that means girls' room, right? It's like kid, girl, right. kids' room, here's a butterfly. Right. Sure. right. That's so interesting. And uh, I remember we kind of talked about, too, just all the little snippets of things, like um, the movie Hocus Pocus, where they're taking from the little girl. It's like, that's adrenochrome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. The movie I, I, Monsters, Inc., where they're using like, the monsters to scare the the kids so that they can get this vial of this serene. Monsters Inc. is talking about adrenochrome. And same thing. Yeah. And it's like right there in plain sight. I can't even watch a freaking movie anymore without being like, what? It's re- <laughs> it really does break you when you learn it because then you can't enjoy it anymore. Or even if you do enjoy it, you're constantly taken out of the story because you're like, look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. They got the <laughs> That's a triangle. That I know what that means. That's an awesome uh-huh. 
Yeah. So you're kind of like I'm. I've always, I've been like that for a while since I work in the television and film industry. Yeah. That even before I woke up to this stuff, it was hard for me to watch movies because every time I would watch it, it was like, ooh, I love the lighting in this set. Oh man. I wouldn't have, um, I would have hated wrangling the extras for that scene. Like, who, whoever that second AD was, they had that work cut out from that day. Or yeah. like, oh, you could tell they shot this scene after lunch because that that performance dipped from earlier in the scene. Because that's what that's <laughs> the big running joke is that you yeah. don't want your close-ups to be after lunch. Like, if we're in a scene together, right? We're, let's say we're doing Friends, like just some random TV show, and Rachel and Ross and Joey and Chandler, right? They'll do all the wides first. And then they'll be like, all right, Monica and Chandler, we're doing your close-ups, and then we're going to break for lunch. They're like, yes, because whoever's close-ups they do after lunch are like <laughs> food in your teeth. You're like, oh, I'm a bit groggy and a bit like it's never as punchy as it is. So everybody wants to be the last close-up that happens before lunch. Because if you're the first close-up that happens after lunch, you're like always hated after you look at the That's finished product. Like, oh, man, I don't like my performance in that scene. That's stuff you don't think about, you know? As like yeah. as just a as just a participant and not somebody who's actively building it. It's interesting. It's a lot. I, of like my dad says, you know, he can't sit on toilets in half the bathrooms because he he built houses for a long time, and he says, you sit on a toilet, you stare at the sheetrock, you can't help but see the place yeah. where they messed yeah, up. Where they messed up. Yeah. And all this stuff, like, I, can't, I can't look at it. You know, it makes me want to get my my spackle up, fix it. I can't do it. <laughs> So what was the other question? You said you had a question about the... I think this is a great one to end on is, so everybody's talking about the timeline. When when do you think? I mean, I I actually just, um, I follow this really neat lady and she has a biblical timeline that you can like download a printout, put on your wall and kind of see things. What do you think? I mean... So this is what I've learned about timeline. I have my thoughts and I will explain those to you, but I think that timeline, do you ever see the movie, the adjustment bureau is kind of like a somewhat popular movie, maybe 2008 or 2009. I think that that movie shows a lot of what happens with the angels. Like I think the agents in that movie are basically like the angels in real life because the adjustment bureau is all about some like these agents protecting an asset and he, Oh, he goes to get matcha at his favorite Christian coffee shop and they close at four but they technically close at three, but they technically close at four, but the adjustment bureau changes things in the timeline so that the sign says three and all this happens so that the ladies in the parking lot are there when- I remember this. Yes, it's coming back to me. Okay. It's a fascinating movie, but I think Mm -hmm. that timeline is such a malleable thing because there's human free will, there's Satan's free will, and there's the most highest free will all playing into the mix. So there might be like, this is the date we have planned for this. And the angelic council is like, all right, so be it. And then humans decide, and we'd rather do this. And so it shifts. Or the demons go, uh, we're not ready. Like our our deception juice isn't (laughs) charged up enough. So let's push it. And so things changed, not because they weren't going to happen when whoever was revealed that information was revealed it, but that something between that revelation and the time that it was supposed to happen changed. So it becomes like hard to really nail down. I do get the impression that the year 2030 is the year they are gunning for having their systems replete, complete, and online. And because I think, there's nothing else listed after 2030, right? Right. right. And because they kind of have said it with the agenda 2030 and 
like long ago when I was looking at the Deagle reports back in 2017, they talked about how by 2025, their population, they want to curve it down. About you know, it, it, the Deagle report came out in 2017 and projected by 2025, the American population would be 68 million. And they went, it, the internet blew up at the time because Deagle's quite respected. They're not a conspiracy channel. There are um, uh, analytics and risk analysis company that makes projections for businesses, governments, everything. So nothing in the truth or space or at all. It's just literally a company. And then when they basically said, we came out with our nine-year, eight-year forecast, and not just America, but other countries would have their population. America was going from 336 million to 68 million. And when they were asked about that, they're like, what happens? A nuclear bomb? Like war? They said, no, based on our modeling, it's migration. People leave. Something happens and people just get the heck up out and they go anywhere but. And then three years later, COVID happens. And then we're on the precipice of this financial whatever, whatever that's about to pop. And now I'm looking five years after I saw that and I'm like, you know, there might be something there to that. Like, we can speculate all day what may or may not happen in terms of who injected whatever they injected into their arms. But if that kill shot is a two to three year kill shot window, like many have suggested, and you combine that with a financial collapse, that might make Deagle's projection pretty accurate. Now, I believe that the new, I believe America is going to be used as the calling card for why the world needs to sign on to the new world order. Just like mm-hmm. the prophecies talk about, oh, mystery of Babylon, you got the world drunk off your wine and your sorceries and all this, and you fell from height within an hour, how far you've fallen. Right. I think it's going to perceive that way because the world sees America as this bastion of like, exactly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the propaganda that we see is just dumb, right? Mm-hmm. Just like, what the heck is Joe Biden and Donald Trump doing? Like, why are they like, like, it's just buffoonery on TV. That's just a WWF show. Mm-hmm. That's just W, Exactly. The WWF show, but I now believe that the purpose for that is for for projecting it to the rest of the world about how crazy America is. Because it's not yeah. Americans, it's just the leadership system or yep. whatever. But it's yep. not the average Joe. But when I'm sitting here in North Carolina and my wife's brother in Sweden calls and is like, what the heck? I'm watching my favorite show in Sweden and they cut it off to turn the American presidential debates on. I go, we go like, what? Like, we're not even watching the presidential debates. Why are they right. forcing y'all to watch it all the way on the other side of the world? Like, I don't know. But like, what the heck is going on? Plus, yeah. why is Donald Trump acting like that? You see what I'm saying? I go, yeah. this is obvious that the propaganda they're showing America go through. This whole like, our health secretary is a man, a, a woman that clearly is a man. Mm-hmm. Our the, the guy who represents our nuclear, like our nuclear division of, of our armament is like a cross-dresser. That's not yeah. for Americans. That's for the rest yeah. of the world to see, yeah. look at how America turned gay all of a sudden. And it's not America turning gay. It's just these few knuckleheads in leadership. And, in, in and they're leadership. portraying it. Yeah, portraying it's it. absolutely Babylon. Absolutely. So when America, when the Western financial system is broken, brought down which is really the thing that's the underlayer of everything and it all shifts to a more eastern centric bitcoin blockchain centric not bitcoin specifically but crypto slash blockchain centric financial cbdc no doubt solution the world will be like "Mm, mm, mm, america look at what y'all did y'all had everything going for you and look what happened and because of you we're now in the 
in a position where we have to accept something new. So if we don't want to happen to us, what happened to America, we should go ahead and sign up with this new system because we need to prevent that that doesn't happen again. And that's what we're dealing with right now. So the timeline is really going to be however quickly they can strategically break the trust in the American financial and government system, which is very well underway. Very it's very on disaster. It's yeah. teetering, right? However quickly they can do that while maintaining the idea that it's all an accident slash act of God. None of us did this on purpose. This is just what happens when Russia colludes, or you know, you know, it's like a virus. Like they're coming up with all these crazy reasons for us to justify what we're seeing. <laughs> but like Russia, yep. Putin, uh, coronavirus, no monkeypox. Okay, I don't know what. But there's when that gap. It closes to where they're ready to just be like, all right, shut the, because I think that that's going to be the nexus point will just be the power going off. The power's going to go off. It'll go off for, this is a hunch, right? But anywhere from a week to a month, it won't even be that long. If somebody were to tell you, yo, the world's going to go through a crisis where there's no power for a month, stock up and you'll be good to go for a month, you'd be like, all right, I can handle it. A year, maybe not, but a month you can handle it. But imagine it just goes off and nobody says that it's going to be a month. You just expect it to come back on a couple hours and it doesn't, and then it's a day, and then it's two days, and then it's three days, and then it's five days, and then it's seven days, and then it's 12. That fear uh-huh. is going to be wild. Come on, with all the dialysis people who die off, and all the people who need type 2 diabetes, insulin that don't get it, and all the psychiatric lithium patients that just tweak out when they don't get their re up. Yeah. All of the yeah. cokeheads and crackheads and Xanax yeah. people, all the coffee drinkers who can't get their Starbucks, everything. Uh-huh. It will be a week to a month of this intense condition thing. And then when the lights come back on, it'll be like, stay where you are. We've got this under control. You have to do things as we say. So we prevent something like this from happening in the future. And that'll be the point of no return. And people will be where they, they won't be stuck where they are. I just think that anybody who hasn't psychologically anticipated this coming will be like, uh, 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 what do we do? And everybody else has been like, Heading to the mountains, just like we are. Like, got my go bag. Yeah, we are yeah, going. You don't have your get your your pop tart fueled up. You're like, wheels up, everybody. Let's go, pop tart. Come on, come on with it. You got your new catalytic converter. You're ready to fly. So you'll be good because you'll be off and Visual flight rules. I don't need no GPS. I got this mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, you got it. I'm, I'm gonna be like, McKenna, come on, Charlotte, pick me up. <laughs> but I think that the when it, I, I do think that Daniel's 70th week will play into the timeline. What's hard to really pinpoint is if that looks like AD 2025 or 2030 or 20. It's hard to say. I, I do get the impression that it's definitely sooner versus later. I also yeah. get the impression that it might mean the death of the West and not the death of the East, meaning you happen to go to India, Russia, and life just boom, it turned to a renaissance over there. Whereas over here, it seems like the end of the world. Yeah. It might be, you know, I remember hearing a Russian military strategist explaining his perspective on the whole Ukraine war thing. That's a whole, that saga right there is so fascinating. But basically, he was saying America and Russia, like the, the West, NATO, the EU, and the Russian Federation, the Kremlin, they're all doing their little pissing contests but what happens is america stops exporting goods there and they stop exporting goods here the only problem is we export stuff like teslas and bentley's and louis vuitton bags and they export stuff like 
wheat and yeah. barley poured like an oil. <laughs> so everybody's gonna keep all the stuff. You're gonna be having fifty thousand dollar Birkin bags with uh-huh. nothing in it because there's no uh-huh. oil to get it to you. There's no gas to heat it up to keep it from freezing. So I think that we're probably this is going. Why I need a flying boat. Right, or you need a seaplane. Right. Precisely. I got the... that rating. I went and got that one. There you go. <laughs> is it harder to land on water than land? Oh, not if not if you're a mermaid like me. Oh my God. <laughs> it's go. Oh, I'm hooked. So hooked. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And any body of water is now a landing strip. There you go. So <laughs> exactly. it, I'm assuring it has to be a certain size. You can't land in a Olympic uh, swimming pool. Well, actually, you know, it's more, it's not so much, you can pretty much land in anything depending on the size of your plane, but taking off and getting out is a different it. story. It's a different story. Got it. Yeah. So I, so as far as the timeline is concerned, I really look at, I split it between East and West because I think that the new world order, this Luciferian pseudo utopia is going to require some people coming out on top while others come out on the bottom because they yeah. need to maintain that it looks natural when it's not natural, that it looks positive when it's not positive, and that it looks, excuse me, enticing or inciting when it should be the, you should be running the opposite direction. Right, so I think to right. do that, they're just going to strategically shut it all off. I don't believe they're going to use an EMP or anything that actually destroys the infrastructure because I believe What's the point of Elon putting all these satellites ostensibly in the sky if they're going to be inoperable, unusable? Uh-huh. So I look at it like they threaten and they do all this predictive seeding and, and, and predictive programming of Russian collusion, EMP and a solar flare and, you know, a, a, mm-hmm. a hack on the grid and they kind of, uh, an oil pipeline is hacked. Okay. Uh-huh. But when you actually look into it, you find that the the hack was only in the financial records, not in the operations records. Plus, all oil pipelines have manual overrides specifically to prevent in case of things like this. So yeah. what we dealt with with these Keystone, not Keystone, with the other pipeline thing is really yeah. some propaganda. It wasn't a big, yeah, it wasn't as big of an issue as they technically made it out to be. So all of this I'm funneling into my working theory that within the next seven years, I I do think that they want to have, they want to be on the other side of that crisis. I think that the, I have a buddy who thinks it's going to pop off in 2024. He's thought that for several years that 2024 is the date he was feeling. Well, and they've proven with the pandemic that, that everything you described, they can do from a psychological warfare standpoint. Right. They that's another good part. They, they can fabricate it. And then, and then fabricate the solution and right. then get people right. to buy into that under the auspices so right. they've proven that their tactic will work. Will work, even if they like. That's the thing. That's the scary part is that it's uh, it's almost like scary and not scary at the same time. Because if they don't actually have to hit the nuke, they just have to make you think they hit it. Then that's technically not as scary, right? But right. it's scary to me to know that you don't even know what's real anymore. No. Because I used to say I thought perception drove reality, or reality drove perception. But I think it's the other way around, and I think. This internet generation is the only way that that's really, I mean, TV helped, right? But like when, when you can walk out of your house, look to your neighbor to the left, howdy neighbor, look to your neighbor to the right, howdy neighbor, nobody's coughing, nobody's really dying, nobody's collapsing in the street. But the second you nobody's go home and look on your- every orifice. Right, nobody's bleeding, right? But then you look on your phone and your television and we're in a global pandemic. It's like- what? Like, how does this work? And then the fact that they just kept saying it 
and then it is the January 11th. Oh my goodness, I, that thing frustrates me so much because I'm like, that wasn't an insurrection. Like I'm not even a Trump fan. I'm not like a white winger or nothing. That just wasn't an in- insurrection. That was just a bunch of people who sure. show showed up for what they didn't know what was going to happen. And then it was a couple knuckleheads that were invited in. I saw all the photos of the cops just standing there while people just filing right in. That was the furthest thing from an insurrection, but they just keep saying it over and over. Oh, January 6th. Like, what about January 6th? It's not like that was, it's like, what about it? Like, come on. So by the fact that they just keep doing it, and we're now, was that 2021 or 2022? I don't even know. It had to be 2022. Okay, so so it was just a year ago. Maybe. No, 2021. Gosh. You know what this I'm is saying? Timeline thing. Well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't even know. And neither do you were genuinely like, was it last year or the year before? Okay. It's all blending together. But I think it's a great, I mean, between the Mandela effect, that and the if the times weren't short, and you know, it's hard to say what's really, what's really going on. But yeah, you know, I, I started, I, I had a short prepper season. And I still have preparations. I just don't go ham in the like prep department because my whole thing yeah. is like too much preparations is just gonna weigh you down. It's like you know maybe the the best thing would be to leave everything behind and you'll be fine wherever you end up. Well, and and I've been diving into the scripture on this because I've got a bug out bag and I've got things in two places for yeah. options. Yeah. But I've been reading the scripture on this, and the scripture says, "Don't even look back for your coat." Yeah, go. Now, go to the highest mountain and don't even turn back, back for your coat. coat. You got to go with what you got. You better hope your kids somewhere within an arm grab, you mm-hmm. know, kind of thing. But but this is another thing that I that I that I had this fascinating connection that I drew after reading an article about the whole jab thing and the terminology they used and stuff and people dying and all that and whatever. I realized if you're playing against if you're playing a sport against someone, right? And they roll out like all their weakest players, right? Mm-hmm. It's not really winning if right. if you like literally kick the ass of the other team, right? If right. you walk away with like a 31-1 right. or 31 to 2, it's like, eh, what's the joy in that, right? right. The the people that are falling by the wayside now, Satan's not concerned with them. Right. He, those are the weakest. He doesn't care about them. Right. He wants the creme de la creme, the right. best of the best, the ones that resisted everything. Then he wants to look at God and say, so these are your best, right? These are the ones that right. didn't fall prey. These are the ones that are your, your right hand. They, they got you till the end. Hold my beer. Right, Watch right. This. Watch this. Like Job, right? Right, like that's what he wants. He wants those ones and that's what's and scary to me is that like it's about to get real weird really weird yeah really weird yeah, really. i mean the people that are going to be left and what is going to happen yeah and you know and and what's what's going to be very strange i think for americans is that have you've traveled internationally before 22 countries and counting there you go you might have i think you might have me beat by a country like i think i've maybe been to 20 or 21 but what I've gleaned in my travels is that <clears throat> America does life one way, and that way works. 
but everywhere in the world they do life different and that way works too it's like nothing like the american way but it works and it's often much older than the the relatively new country that america is so what happens is when you realize most 95 percent of americans don't even own a passport you realize most americans will have no clue that the relative crisis that they're going through is not shared by everybody in the world they will literally think it's the end of the world and it might just be the end of the american way right yeah and, and if america is the babylon that we read which i fully believe that it is then this debauchery will kind of become this like toilet of a swirl inward not so much like a a realization that we need to go out and get out of Babylon. It'll simply be like, this is it. I've got nothing else to die for. So, you know, I'm ready to spray everybody like Yosemite Sam. And I think that the most high and, and God is really just calling the hearts and the minds of his truest, most earnest saints now ahead of the crisis so that, A, there's some semblance of people with their heads screwed on in the middle of it. And B, half of them can make strategic moves now to set themselves up to be able to get to a mountaintop or to fly a Pop-Tart elsewhere or to, you know, at least just out of the city somewhere where you're not going to be under the thumb of United Nations troops that say, listen, your government called us in because there was an attack on your country and we're here to restore peace. So for the next six months, nobody goes anywhere and you have to eat the rations we give you. If you out in the countryside somewhere, they're not coming out there for random people. They're going to deal. They're going to put a perimeter up around all the cities and there's going to be like a no man's land between. And I think that people in the cities will be propagandized to be told, oh, don't go out there. You're going to die. But people yeah. out there are going to be like, living my best life. How can I help? You? Why? Why? Because I don't want to die. Neither do you. So if we can help each other out here, we both were smart enough to get out. Let's help each other. I yep. really do think that that sentiment, it'll be crazy, fearful people too. But I think that that content, that concept will override the fear outside of the city. And inside the city, it'll just be fear. In, yeah. Exactly. It'll just be fear, death, loathing, and everything. We bring in gnashing of teeth. I mean, the truth of the matter is, I think we've had enough time now that we know where our people are, too. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's helpful. Oh, wow. I know it's late your time. You got family um, and I'm going to go take care of family things too, but this has been awesome. Always, love, always we, okay. This is what we need to do. We need to pledge to like do it once a month or something. Cause every time I talk with you, I'm like, man, this is so cool. I love talking with Michaela. Yeah, we need it. We need it. We say that. And then it's like, oh shit, it's been a year. It's been a year. Exactly. And <laughs> okay, it's just time we're still here kicking. <laughs> I know, man. But that's a, to, as a separate thing. Oh, you want to say hi to Michaela? Oh yeah. say hi. This is Zeev. Hi. Here, you can hear. Say hello. 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 Are you having so much fun over there? Yeah. I bet you it's know what so she knows cool. how to do? She knows how to fly airplanes. It's pretty cool, huh? Yeah. You flew in an airplane once, didn't you? Where did you go? We go to down Gigi's house. Where is that located? Arizona? Yeah. <laughs> flew, right. uh, American airline flight from here to Arizona, and she was all about it. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, yep. Little pilots. Well, all right, I'll be. I'm almost done, baby. I'll be. Uh, be done in just a bit. Okay. Okay. Bye. Say bye, Miss Michaela. Bye, Miss Michaela.
Bye, beautiful. <laughs> take that downstairs if you want to, because my glasses are down there anyway. Take that with you. Hmm? Take that with you. Here, sit over here. I'll be, go with mommy. I'll be right down, okay? Bye, trying to sit with you. You want to sit with me? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can sit. <laughs> We're about to wrap up anyway. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I we should we should do it more often. It's it yeah. is a lot of fun, and I'm coming to realize that it's not that I didn't know this about when the first time we talked, but there's a lot more biblical Nephilim related. Your mind thinks a lot more in that space than I gathered from the first couple. Kind of like, oh, that's interesting. She's a lot more into this subject matter than I than I thought. Yeah, that's and cool. I think. I think it's important dialogue, especially if two people can talk in a way that other people can understand. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's true. That's true. And it's it's harder to conceptualize. Not only that, but when you have a story of what happened to yourself, like I I think that for people hearing that you worked in the psychiatric ward, fifty one fifties, and in the hospital setting, and you dealt with schizophrenics and mental health patients, and you had a perception of their experience that changed. Once you encounter spiritual encounters of your your own, making yeah. you recognize what it was you were really seeing, I think that's that help that speaks for a lot because a lot of people I think have probably been told that they have mental health issues or chemical imbalances, and it's not. They have spiritual work that they really need to address. It's absolutely right. I actually posted a a meme today that said, "I'm glad a lot of you are getting on the uh, mental health train. I think some of you need an exorcism." <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Baby steps. <laughs> <laughs> Baby steps. We'll talk about that more later. But honestly, though, I think that that's right. I really do. And I get the impression that if they can, that that what they're essentially about to do with this whole quantum, like when I, when I first was like, let me get into quantum computing because I'm very familiar with traditional computing, but I didn't know that much about quantum computing. You hear about it, but I didn't know what it was. And then I started looking into it. I'm like, wait, time out. This is just demonic possession in the machine and getting the demons to do the math and they speak about it kind of in those ways with terminology that's very like borders into the spiritual and the you know jordy rose from the d-wave company or others in that space will talk about sending information through a portal i mean they said that at cern you know our aim is to open up a, a key to a new dimension and pass something through it it's like who says this if that's not exactly what they're trying to do like who's the pr person other, that's saying those other ais is stable diffusion and mid journey and then doll e doll ppt those yeah. are the ones yeah, i looked them up i mean it's it's here it's not it's not tinfoil yeah it's not tinfoil <laughs> But it's, it's all wired together. It's all wired together. It's temple and a little mRNA and some graphene oxide all mixed together. Yeah. Well, I'll let you get going, Chris. Thanks so much. This was awesome. It was great talking to you. I would send me when you can the recordings. I just love having the yeah. recordings, just this archive and stuff. But yeah, yeah. this is amazing. All awesome. right. Well, we'll talk to you soon. You have a great Good night. night. Bye. Awesome. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.